Shalom Mishbucha. Shalom, family. Mishbucha is a Hebrew word, means family. <laughs> We're the Mishbucha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishbucha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Well, my guest, Shane Warren, I think saying red hot for you, Shane, is an understatement with everything going on in your life. But I want everyone to capture some of the new things that God is doing, which, I mean, I I have to tell you, it is mind-blowing. Uh, let me take you to that pastor's conference in uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, and uh, I understand the glory of God was really on that meeting. Oh, it was. I mean, we've just experienced an open heaven here. And uh, it's just like the glory just exploded in the room as God began to do miracles all over the place. But tell me about, I mean, this is amazing, the how precise these words of knowledge were for one specific pastor. Tell me about him. Well, the afternoon that I had, uh, that afternoon I'd been in my hotel room, was preparing for the meeting, and I just laid down to get some rest, and I was just spending time in prayer. And all of a sudden it was like I heard uh, these words ringing in my ear that uh, tonight I'm going to release a horn. And I knew immediately, uh, Sid, that whenever... this voice came to me and said, I'm going to release a horn, that it was speaking about a person whose name was Horn. So that night we went to the meeting, and there were literally, uh, you know, hundreds of hundreds of pastors from all over the country there, uh, about a 1,000 people in attendance. And then the, as I got up to uh, greet the audience, again, this word kept coming into my mind and my spirit saying, I'm going to release a horn. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to take a moment and just... I believe, flow in the the gifts of the Spirit here and let the Lord do what He wants to do. And I told them that I was resting that afternoon and heard these words. So I called it out and I said, is there a preacher, a pastor here whose last name is Horn and you're in the building? And sitting uh, several rows back in the middle section of the church, this man stood up, came to uh, the front, and I said, "Your, your name is Horn. And he said, yes, it's my last name. And I began to just uh, share the word of the Lord with him, and I was amazed at how specific this word was coming as, uh, as, as I began to speak with him. I felt impressed to say to him, you know, one of the most difficult uh, moments of my life was when I lived in a place called Clarksville, Tennessee. It was a very difficult time for our family. And I said, I don't know why I'm supposed to share about this painful place called Clarksville with you and I was shocked when he responded back. He said, it's because I pastor in Clarksville, Arkansas. And I said, well, I feel like the Lord is telling me that he's going to encircle your church. He's going to draw a circle around your church. And honestly, I didn't know how to say what I was seeing, but it was almost like I, I was seeing um, like 137 I know that's strange to hear, but it was like I was seeing the numbers 137, and I just said to him, I said, you know, the word circle means something to you, and I hear these numbers 137, I think they're significant to you. And again, I was shocked when he said, I uh, I live at 137 North Circle Street in Clarksville, Arkansas. 
And immediately, whenever he said that, the the glory of God, the power of God hit the room. People started running all over the building. People started weeping. Some of them started falling to their knees. And then the presence of God broke out, and God just started healing. Now, were you laying hands on people when this was going on? I was not touching anybody at that time. I'm telling you, it was just God was coming through that building in a wave of his presence, and people were getting ministered to and healed and delivered all over the building all at the same time. It was like God was doing it all at the same time, and it it just began radical. Uh, I immediately called for people. I said, if you have an issue in your feet, I feel like God's healing your feet right now. People started running to the altar before they would ever get to the altar. Their feet were healed. They were running up on the platform, and then the presence of God was hitting them, and they were they were falling out under the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was just a, an outbreak of God's presence. Now, now you told me uh, that you said to him uh, that, that you personally had a bad experience in Clarksville uh, in a different state, just turned out to be the same city he's from in Tennessee, and he was having a bad experience. Tell me about that. Oh, he was he he was going through, in his words, his description, he was going through literal hell at his church. Uh, there was something really bad that was going on. I did not know that he was having a, some major issues uh, with family issues. Things of that nature were going on in his life, which and if, I, if I had the time to enumerate what my experience was in Clarksville, Tennessee, when I was a kid that was so painful— it was exactly what he was describing to me. I found out later what he was going through, and it was exactly what he was describing to me was the issues that I was encountering as a kid when I lived in Clarksville. It's just amazing to me that God would reach all the way back. And then I had the thought, Sid, could it be that God allowed me to go through that experience in Clarksville because he knew in the future that there would be a preacher that had to have a word from God to change his situation. Now, how changed was his situation after your word? He went back to his church. He said immediately it was a different atmosphere. Things broke. Things began to change, and God began to do miracles, and a whole new direction started coming to their church. Shane, the thing that is so exciting to me is that you say, some of the supernatural things that have been happening to you lately, which we haven't even gotten into, you think that was something. Wait till you hear the other things going on in his life and at his church and wherever he speaks, uh, that anyone can have this same access to God as you have. And so that's why I'm so excited. I mean, it's wonderful that you have these experiences. I want everyone listening to us to have these types of experiences. So I'm going to take you back and kind of rehearse a little of the history highlights in your life. At age 12, you had an amazing visitation from God. Tell me about that. Well, Sid, I didn't grow up in a in a uh, church home. I had very good parents, but I uh, at, I, do, I didn't know who Jesus was. I never heard the name Jesus. If you would have said Jesus in my home, I thought he was another brand of Coke, literally. But um, when I was 12 years old, um, I went to a place on my grandfather's farm where I sat down in this, uh, for lack of better terminology, a fort that he had built to us. And uh, in this fort, I lifted up my eyes after I sat down, and I had this encounter with Jesus where he appeared to me 
And uh, he said to me, I've called you to the nations. I began to weep uh, under the presence of God. I'd, I'd really never done anything seriously wrong, and I've sought for words to describe really how I felt from that experience. The only thing I can find in the Bible is Isaiah 6, where Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, I felt undone. And that's exactly how I felt at 12 years old when the Lord put his hand on my head and said, I'm undone. And his hand burned. It, it burned on top of my head. It was hot like fire on top of my head. Now, now I, I have to question you on this. When you say, was it like a little heat or what? Or when you say like fire, that sounds a lot more than just warm. Yes, it was like fire. It was like fire setting on top of my head. And when I opened my eyes to look back up at him because I was weeping. I I started weeping. I closed my eyes. I looked, opened my eyes, looked back up at him. He was gone, but I could still feel his hand on top of my head. And uh, that burning sensation was still on top of my head. It stayed there for quite some time. Uh, I wonder if that's what many people that operate in the supernatural report, the baptism uh, uh, of the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you think that's what what that refers to? I really do. I really do believe that there is that anointing that comes. And for me, it was it was like fire. It still is like fire from time to time when I have these experiences, like we just talked about with this pastor at the church with words of knowledge. I know that I have something from God coming because I will once again feel that on my head. Now, uh, your your father died. Your mother is very sick. Uh, circumstances in your life cause you to sink to really, you're at the end of your rope. You see all these miracles, but you can't do anything for your mother. So about 1030 at night, you get out of bed and uh, you go to uh, an empty room and you have your electric guitar. And what do you do? I just started worshiping God. I had been holding my mother in my arms, and as she was dying, I, I just had these all these questions like everybody does swirling through their mind. You know, why can I see all these miracles when I go out and minister, but I can't get my mom healed? And so distraught and discouraged, and literally at the end of my rope, I did the only thing that I've ever found peace at, and that was I went to my music room, and I took this guitar, sat down, and started worshiping the Lord on this guitar, and whenever that happened, um, this was the second time that I had this unbelievable experience where I was caught up in the presence of God into a different realm than I had ever been in before and began to experience and see things in that realm uh, concerning um, God and concerning the heavens, concerning the, the working of angels, and God began to reveal truth to me about the power of how to unlock the heavens for ourselves personally so that we could all get into that atmosphere. And then the next day, you asked a simple question. God, what happened to me last night? I'll have you answer that on tomorrow's broadcast. But you have had a transformation in your life, and everyone you teach this to has transformations in their life. And we're calling this package with your brand-new book and your three CDs, Keys to Unlocking the Heavens. 
It literally will show you how to enter the Holy of Holies and have the intimacy with God you've always wanted. It's the key to favor, the key to answered prayers. You will access that same glory that Shane Warren is accessing, and his prayer is, and I believe this is going to happen, even before you finish the book, Shane has prayed that you're going to have the same throne room experiences that he has. This is key for the last day's move of God's Spirit. So for a gift of $40, I want to send you his brand new book titled Unlocking the Heavens. And the three CDs, the entire package is called Keys to Unlocking the Heavens. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697 1-800-447-2697. Your church was voted uh, the place to be on Sunday in Louisiana. Now, why was it voted that, Shane? Just because of the atmosphere, Sid. We have people literally coming from all over uh, America and around the world just to get into the atmosphere of the services of our church. And so when people come into the atmosphere, we've seen these great life transformation and miracles that happen. Nobody touching anybody, just in the presence of God. And because of that, and because of our outreaches, taking that glory, not only what's in the the church, but taking that same presence of God out into our community and touching lives and seeing miracles out in our community, that's the reason we were given that honor. Now, I want to take you back Uh, to a horrible time in your life. Your father had died. Your mother is dying. Uh, You're praying for people, and they're having miracles, but nothing is happening to your mother. 10.30 at night, you get your electric guitar, and uh, tell me uh, in a little more detail, uh, what did you say to God? Were you blaming God that your mother was dying, and you pray for total strangers, and they have miracles? Well, at that time, Sid, we had just seen some of the most miraculous events. We'd had a man who was blind, who was healed. We had men who were a man who was lame, whose leg literally grew out in our services. We had people with cancer that was being healed, and here was my mother dying. So, of course, I had all of these questions for God, almost like Job. You know, I began to ask questions, and out of out of faith, I was contending for her miracle, begging God for her miracle, and and I begin to ask God, why is it that we have all of these other miracles, people are getting healed, and I can't get my own mother healed, and I couldn't understand that, and so it drove me to to the only place that I've ever found peace, and that was in just worshiping God, and I actually told God, as I went to that music room and put that guitar around my neck, and I began to worship, I said, God, I might not ever have the answer of why you did not touch my mother or why my mother didn't get healed. I said, but I'm not going to go to hell over a mystery. But then all of a sudden, I felt something shift in me, and it was like something rose up on the inside, and I turned my, my attention toward the enemy. I said, enemy, but I want you to know tonight that no matter what happens with my mother, whether she lives or dies, you will never be able to take one thing from me. You will never take my song. You'll never take my worship. You'll never take my praise. 
And almost in a holy indignation, I began to worship God with everything that I had on the inside of me in that room. You know what I don't understand, Shane? That is the way every believer should react. Let's face it. We know, you know, the older I get, the more gray hair I get, the less I know. And the less dogmatic I am on what I, well, I, 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 on the way I am. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, we do know the love of God. So that, to me, is the normal way someone should react. And I'm so glad you reacted that way. But then something happened to you. What happened? Well, I was caught up into, the only way I know how to describe this, into a different realm. I, I was caught up into a, like a heavenly place, uh, almost to, I'm not trying to con- pair myself to the Apostle Paul, but it was like I was caught up into the heavens, and God began to show me things in the spirit realm. As I was worshiping him there, God began to show me the power and the effect of worship. He began to show me that all of us have the ability to access the heavens, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what state we're in, that we have keys as believers that God has given us through his word to unlock the heavens, and that God can turn our morning into dancing. He can take our midnights and make them beautiful mornings if we would just learn to access the heavens with these keys. And I begin to see some of these keys. I mean, God began to show me worship services and what happens in church services when people are worshiping. And when I Excuse me, this was seven hours this went on? This went on for seven hours. When I came to seven hours later, the guitar was still around my neck, and my hands were still on a cord on the neck of the guitar, and I was sitting there. It was almost like uh, God for seven hours took me into a realm that I've never been in before, and it literally changed my life. It, It gave me a revelation of the spirit realm that very few people have, not because it's not available, but because they're not willing to do what it takes to discover it. Now, the next day, you asked a a simple question of God. God, what happened to me last night? What did he say? He He said, you came and you built an altar of worship to me. And he said, and I turned it into a well of resource for you. And God began to speak to me how these times of worship, that worship, praise and worship, and personal intimacy with Christ actually becomes a well of resources to us where we can draw things from God that we can't get any other way. Uh, Shane, I've asked a lot of guests that have such intimacy with God, and, and, and I always ask this question to them. How do you personally worship when you're alone in your in wherever wherever you worship? I know how you worship at church, but how do you worship when you're alone? And I haven't had what I consider a satisfactory answer. What what is worship? Let's start right there. Well, worship. Actually, the word worship comes from two words: worship, which literally means to build an altar. It's to build a sacred place, an intimacy, a a, a time with God. Sid, how I personally worship, I worship God just like I worship Him at church. I worship Him at home. In fact, I'm more radical at home. You know, it's almost like David when he was dancing down the streets of Jerusalem and 
Michael, his wife, was watching from above in the window, and he finally comes home, and she says, Boy, you really embarrassed us today. You've been so radical in your worship. What kind of king does that? He said, If you think I've been undignified up to this point, you haven't seen anything yet, because if I was undignified in the street, I'm going to be real undignified in my house. And that's where I am in my worship. That's how I worship God. I'm as passionate I mean, I've danced all over my house. I've run. I've jumped. I've shouted. I've sang. I've wept. I've, you know, I've bowed down, laid on my face. That's how I worship God. Now, now do you usually sing songs when you worship God? That's what comes. That's what the, most people think when they hear worship. They see the word song. Well, I think, you know, again, there's a lot of different expressions and postures in worship. And there's no one time that I do the same thing back to back. Sometimes I'm singing songs. Sometimes worship, it, for me, is laying there on my face in quietness in the presence of the Lord, hearing, listening for and, and hearing that still, small voice of God. There's other times that, you know, uh, in, the Bible says in the book of Habakkuk, it says a prayer of Habakkuk set to Shagonath. Shagonath means wild, frenzied, uh, emotionally uh, stirred prayer. And so sometimes it's that way for me, too. Sometimes, some days, it's wild and frenzied and emotionally stirring, and I'm jumping and dancing and shouting, and sometimes I'm very forceful, and other times I'm very meek. I think what we do, Sid, is we box God into this little bitty box of what worship is, when really worship is just man drawing nigh to God by whatever means necessary, drawing nigh to God. You know, you talk about what's more important than the song you sing is what your heart is bringing. Explain that. Well, we have relegated personal intimacy with God through worship and praise to, to a song, to a style, to a certain place. But it's not about the songs that we sing. It's about the heart we bring. I've been in Africa, Sid, where I've seen people uh, beat on pots and pans because they didn't have any um, instruments at all. And I've seen the manifestation of God's glory and people demon-possessed fall out all over the place, getting delivered at one time. The song wasn't very pretty at all. In fact, it, it didn't sound good at all, just beating of pots and pans. But it was effective because the heart of the people were connecting with God. Tell me where you were that seven hours. You said uh, you were like Paul, whether in the body, out of the body. Uh, you were in another place. Where were you? I, I honestly said, I don't know. I, I, I wish I could tell you that. I don't <laughs> know. All I can tell you is I was in a different realm, and the Lord was teaching me different things about the realm of the Spirit uh, that that we that are in the Bible, they're all in the Word of God. It's just that we look right over them because we focus more on the natural realm than we do the spiritual realm. Tell me about the person uh, that you prayed for in Mississippi, that woman whose eye wasn't there. It was all milky white. We had a we had a young lady uh, as I was preaching at like you said in Mississippi at a church we were holding a camp meeting down there and I was actually teaching on uh some of the keys that are in this book that God has put on me to write 
And as I was teaching, all of a sudden in the middle of it, uh, I said, I feel right now that I'm supposed to stop and I'm supposed to pray for people to be healed. This lady comes to comes up to us, this young lady, her eye is milky white. It's like it's a, uh, you can just barely see anything at all as far as a pupil. It's just milked over. She can't see out of this eye. See, it was the first time ever in the history of of my walk with Jesus where I knew that I knew that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was getting ready to heal this this little girl. And um, I was so confident of it that I, I had some ministry students who travel with me because we have a school of ministry at our church. And I said, I want all of my students to come here because God's getting ready to do a miracle for this young lady. They gathered in behind me, and the Lord just spoke to me, or just inspired me rather, just to speak these words, let the eye look straight on. I don't know why I felt led to say that, just the Holy Spirit just, I believe, prompted me to say that. And as soon as I said, "Look, let the eye look straight on, all of a sudden this milky substance disappeared off this eye and the pupil began to form. All of a sudden her eye began to come into focus and and it would be like a person who's who's blind and all of a sudden their eye just focuses on somebody. In a moment, she just focused that eye, her attention on me. And when that happened, all of my students started going wild. I mean, they couldn't believe. What, what, what did they see with their eyes? What did those 25 students see? They they saw literally God healed this woman's eyes. And just with their own eyes, they saw God heal this woman's Now, eyes. you said it was milky white. I mean, could, did it look normal or did, was she just able to see? All of a sudden, her eye became completely normal. As if as if a new eye had formed, her eye became completely normal. The church began to erupt in praise, and uh, people began to come from all over the community, and God began to heal people and deliver people in those services. Uh, one of the most wonderful things for me, though, was for those students to see it, because, Sid, there's so many people that don't believe in the power of the supernatural, that it's available anymore, so many cessationists cessationists say that those days are gone. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he still does those miracles. And for those students who are going to go out and do ministry themselves, to see the power of God in operation was just worth everything to me uh, for that to happen. Now, God shows you when you go into this, the Holy of Holies, which he's shown you how to get into. Uh, Not only do you operate in power, where you see miracles like you just described, but he's even shown you personally a business idea. Explain. Well, he he showed me, he told me that I was going to come into a divine connection. One of these times that I was in the presence of the Lord, he told me I would come into a divine relationship, a connection, and that this connection would lead me into an opportunity, a business opportunity. And in my personal time with the Lord, I had a, uh, I was reading through the book of Acts, and I saw where Peter had watched the sheet come down from heaven, uh, you know, really to talk about the forming of this one new man, Jews and Gentiles, coming into Christ. And he's, he sees a sheet come down from heaven, has all these unclean animals on it, and God speaks to him and says, don't call what's unclean clean. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to bring you into divine business relationship, and it's going to be something that's outside of what you would normally do. And he said, when I do this, don't call unclean what I've called clean. 
not long after that, God began to form this relationship we talked about, and this one business idea has blessed my wife and I beyond our wildest imagination. I mean, if I told your listeners how big of a blessing, they would not even believe it. But it literally came out of a moment of intimacy with God where God revealed to me that that was going to happen. Okay. Uh, You've made a statement, which I copied down, that uh, you said that most Christians pray, Lord, send your power down. They should be praying, I want to come up to where you are. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Well, according to the book of Hebrews, the blood of Jesus gives us access into the throne room so that we can come boldly into the throne of grace. The majority of all of our Christian experience and and our church experiences, to be quite frank, are us begging God to come down. We'll even sing songs, come down, Lord, come down, when in reality the blood of Jesus has given us access not only for him to come down, but for us to come up. We're supposed to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and the blood of Jesus gives us access to that. You know, I've never really understood this, but after listening to your teaching, I'm beginning to see it, that the Bible says that we are seated in Jesus— and Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. <laughs> Yet I know I'm, I'm seated in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you're seated in West Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, so we're actually in two places at one time? Is that what's going on? Absolutely. I mean, why couldn't we be? We're, we are spirit beings, right? We have a, a body that we live in. And so, yes, we can dwell here. God put us here on the earth, but spiritually— We have access into the heavens. And, you know, so many people ask me, so where is heaven at? And, you know, I've heard people say heaven's on the other side of the universe. I don't necessarily think that heaven is on the other side of the universe. Can't find anything in Scripture that supports that necessarily. I think that heaven is just a different realm that where God's at is just a different realm, possibly a parallel universe that you and I can just walk in and out of. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have access into these realms. It's sort of like the fourth dimension. Yeah, almost like that. And that's, I believe that, that that's the reason Jesus could say the kingdom is coming, but then turn around and also the kingdom is here. How can it be coming and be here? Well, it can be both if it's just in a di- different dimension. Or, or if he, when he said, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing, he was seeing it as he was doing it. And he was in those two different dimensions. Absolutely. And I believe that's possible for every Christian. You know, in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Daniel, it talks about the Ancient of Days, the, the, the Son going to the Ancient of Days, and it makes a statement. It says, and they brought him near So when Jesus ascended to the Father, he had these angelic escorts into the throne room. But in the New Testament, saints have a different escort. The Bible says we draw near by the blood of Jesus, and we have an escort into the heavenlies that we don't use. The blood of Jesus gives us escort right to the very throne room of God himself. Tell me, because this is what you do in your new book, This is what you do in the three CDs we're making available. Uh, During that seven hours uh, that you were in the spirit, uh, that uh, you you heard keys of of how to be in the spirit at all times, uh, how how to be normal. You even make the statement that this is the key for the last day move 
of God's Spirit. Tell us some of these keys. Well, I absolutely believe that this is one of the keys for the last day move. The reason I believe that is the Bible speaks in Psalm 102 about the restoration of of Israel and specifically Jerusalem. And it says, and this shall, this was prophesied for a generation to come. The word to come there is the Hebrew word akaron, which means the final generation. And then it qualifies what that generation is. It says, and this shall be a people who are created to praise the Lord. So I believe this this coming into a revelation of our intimacy with Christ and our personal worship and praise and what it can produce is key to the to the literally the out the, the the last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit around the globe because it is the generation the Bible says before the coming of the Lord it's going to be a generation who understands the power of praise and worship so I definitely believe that it that has everything to do with the last day. Now you're a pastor of a local church, uh, the hottest church in Louisiana. So the leaders have uh, voted it. Uh, are you seeing the members of your church where you've been teaching this, doing what you've been teaching, what's happening to you? Are they doing? Absolutely. I have taught my members how to access the Holy of Holies for themselves. One of my favorite uh, things to teach on all around the globe, and this is what people invite me all over the country to teach about, is the authority of the believer, the right of the believer, and how the believer has access into the heavens. I've taught our people this, and as a result, our people are getting miracles for themselves. They don't need me to lay hands on them. I believe that's the reason when they come to church, the atmosphere is so charged with the miraculous presence of God. It's because they're coming with this expectancy and faith. Most people only worship Jesus on Sunday in church. But the Bible says when we come to church, we all should come to church with a song, with a word, with a prophecy, with a tongue and interpretation. We should have had such intimate time with God alone that God has been speaking to us so that when we come together and form that symphony Uh, on the earth that touches heaven, that we are coming with these experiences to share with the entire body. So in our church, we have these expressions are available. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving. We allow these expressions to move in our church. And as a result, people are saved. And when I say saved, I'm talking about by the hundreds and thousands people get saved with the Holy Whoops, we're out of time. I'm sorry, Shane, but if you like this teaching, you're going to love his book and his three CDs. We've called it Keys to Unlocking the Heavens. Why are they keys? They came from God. They operate in his life. He's normal, uh, normal as defined by the Bible. If you want to be normal, because he's already prayed a prayer for those that get this teaching, I want you to call her right today Get the Keys to Unlocking the Heavens series for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Most people don't realize it, but you point out there's a war going on 
to rob people from having their intimacy with God, to rob people from being able to do the same works that Jesus did and even greater, to rob people from hearing God's voice, rob people of their destiny. And I, I think most people don't even realize that there's a satanic resistance going on. Uh, explain that. Well, Sid, I can't explain everything. There's tons of keys in this area in the book that I've written. But let me just give you you and the listeners a couple things that the Lord spoke to me. First of all, the Lord took me to Exodus chapter 32, and he showed me that when Moses was on the mountain, and he comes down off the mountain with Joshua, and the people are in the valley, the, the Bible says they're worshiping a golden calf which they built. And the scripture says that Joshua turns to Moses and says, Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And the Spirit of the Lord showed me that worship in the atmosphere sounds like warfare to the spirit realm. All they were doing was walking up, kissing that calf, and playing their instruments and dancing and celebrating. But it sounded like warfare in the atmosphere. Then what happens is Moses stops. He takes a moment. He listens. And he said, no, it's not the sound of those who shout because they got the victory, nor is it the sound of those who are shouting because they're in defeat and they need God's help. He said, this is simply the sound of singing. Moses was able to discern what was real worship and what wasn't worship. And what happens is people come to church or in their personal time, they just sing or they just clap or they just go through the motions, but it's not real worship. The problem, the dilemma is, and I talk about this in detail in this book, the dilemma is when we gather together and we lift up the sound of praise and worship through song and clapping and all of these other things, we send a sound into the atmosphere, which is the sound of warfare. It activates the spirit realm. This was my purpose behind writing this book. I got tired of going to churches all over the world and they would worship, and they had no clue of what was going on in the spirit realm. And before we can move in the area of the supernatural, we have to have a discerning of spirits to know what kind of spiritual activity is going on in the atmosphere so that we can access what God's doing and resist what Satan is trying to do. So worship literally is a warfare tool. I mean, You know, I've noticed uh, pastors that will, uh, while worship is going on in a Sunday morning service, they will be worshiping God, but more than worshiping God, they are listening. What does God want for this service? They may have a whole program, but if God wants something different, they'll, they're willing to scrap it. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. It's exactly what I'm saying. And even in greater detail, people just don't know how spiritual the act of worship is. I mean, we think of something that is something we do just in the physical realm, but there's something spiritual that's really going on. For example, over in the book of Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about the worship service, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, when, when women come to church, he said they need to be careful how they come with their head covered because of the angels. Now, he's dealing with a customary thing there, uh, that was going on in Corinth about head covering, so we'll lay that aside. Let's look at the greater picture here. He's saying that when we come to church, we need to be careful how we come because when we start worshiping God, angels are in the atmosphere. So we know that 
good, righteous angels, God-working angels, ministering spirits are sent from God on behalf of those who are the heirs of salvation. God sends his angels into the atmosphere when we start worshiping to bring our miracles, to bring our breakthroughs, to bring our healings, to bring our deliverance. But most people are just there going through the motions. Sometimes I wonder if God kind of just steps back and listens for a moment and says, you know, it's not those who are shouting because they, they need my help, and it's not those shouting because they got the victory. It just sounds like a bunch of singing going on. That's all I hear. And we miss out on these grand opportunities with these spiritual encounters with God and with his heavenly host because we don't even know they're there, but they're there in the atmosphere when we worship. You talk about the sound. Sound is so important. Uh, when you worship, you like, to, you like to make a lot of sound. Ex- explain what is going on when you're making sound. Well, it's really important for the listeners, and again, this is something we discuss in a book. I talk about symphony, uh, uh, creating a symphony on the earth. A sound has to be released on the earth for something to be released in heaven. There has to be this activity. This is the reason there's no such thing as a silent praise. Praise is the fruit of our lips, giving him thanks. And whenever you exert that or, or release that sound, if you will, Sound has, it can put pressure on things. For example, if I had a woman here and she would, a soprano, and she hit a high enough note, she could break glass. It wasn't, it wasn't the note that broke glass. It was the pressure from the note. And when the people of God begin to release the sound of the righteous, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When they release the sound of the righteous, that sound puts pressure on the atmosphere. It puts pressures on our enemies. It releases things in the heavens. And we have no clue about this. We're we're totally ignorant to some of these very simple principles. The bad thing is they're all in the Word of God. In my book, I, I just enumerate all of these different places in the Word of God. I can prove that to you how sound puts pressure on things. Just a little bit. Do that. Okay. For example, Psalm 68, verse 1 The Bible says that, uh, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Well, we know how we get God off the throne is through praise and worship. I show that in my book in detail. Genesis 49, verse 8 says, The hand of praise, the hand of Judah, will be on the neck of his enemies. When a person praises God and worships God, releases a sound, that sound literally almost is like putting your hand on the neck of your enemy and choke him out. You can literally... Sid, praise your way out of everything and praise your way into everything. You can praise your way. Praise puts so much pressure on the enemy, he can't stand it. It literally chokes him out. Now, you do talk about a symphony. Explain that. That's great teaching. Well, in in my book, I talk about uh, the word symphony. You know, the scripture says in Matthew, where two or three are gathered together in my name, it's the word, it's the Greek word symphone. Symphone means to agree. Phone literally means a note or sound. So what happens is when we as believers come together and we agree with a sound, it releases something in the heavens. That's the reason the Bible says whatsoever you'll bind on earth will be bound in the heavens. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavens. Something has to take place on the earth for something to take place in the heavenly realm. Now, 
When I became a believer, it was the beginning of the charismatic movement. And I used to go to, um, to meetings, prayer meetings, and they would start singing in the spirit. And I remember that that was one of the most phenomenal, amazing things I'd ever seen in my life. People that didn't even know each other's names started singing, and it became a symphony. It became, it was, it was better than anyone, any artist could have, uh, or conductor had, could have put something together. The melodies, each one singing in the spirit, all blended into one. Did you experience that? Oh, absolutely. I've experienced that numerous times. And just like you. But, but I haven't seen it much lately. Why is that? Well, in our desire to be seeker and uh, friendly and, and, and to not want to confuse people, in our desire to try to explain the unexplainable, we uh. have literally rele- relegated the Holy Spirit out of our services, out of our expressions. In your church, do they sing in the Spirit like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Sid, that word symphony means to agree with a note, but it also has another meaning to cause, to shine, to bring forth light. Whenever we create these symphonic sounds on the earth as believers, it brings light. It releases light into the darkness. The way you get darkness to flee is to, again, bring this symphonic sound where everybody's coming together, every tongue, tribe, kindred, and nation. We do not have to sing in unison, but we do have to create a harmony. From your living in the Spirit, living in the throne room, uh, you say it's possible to live there 24-7. I'm wondering if you could tell me the short, short version of the woman that you slapped on the back seven times. Well, I was preaching uh, in... um in the southern part of the United States, and there was a lady that was up in the balcony. While I was preaching, I just felt led again to pray for people who had illnesses. She, they brought her down. This lady was a Hispanic lady, could not speak English. And the Lord spoke to me to lay hands on her. She said she wanted to be prayed for because she needed strength. So I laid my hands on her, and I began to pray with her. She collapsed to the floor. I turned to walk away, and all of a sudden I felt God say, hit her in the back seven times. Before I even knew what I was doing, I turned around, started slapping her in the back seven times. On the seventh time, she stood up, totally cold in the face, no expression at all, turned and walked away, went back up in the balcony, and I thought, man, I have absolutely missed God, and I've killed this meeting. I thought you killed her, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did too. It's the first after just a little bit, I noticed while I was preaching again, she was stretching and turning and bending over, and I knew God had done something. I said, please bring that girl down here. Tell me what's going on. The girl comes down out of the balcony, and the, through the interpreter, here's what she said. She said, this young lady has had back surgery six times, and she scheduled this coming Tuesday for her seventh back surgery. And when you hit her the seventh time, she said that her vertebrae popped from her tail all the way up to the back of her neck, and she says she's healed. There's no pain. Whoops, we're out of time. Shane, are you ready to uh, uh, to release this contagious uh, thing called worship? <laughs> I can do that, and here's what I want to do. I want to ask all of your listeners, if, wherever they're at, if they can put their hand 
their right hand on their radio uh, as they're listening. Right now, we're just going to begin to worship God. Father, I worship you today. I thank you, Lord. This is the day that you've made. Lord, today we rejoice and we're glad in this day. I thank you, God, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you have made me an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And this, this morning, I worship you today. I give you praise and honor and glory and adoration for you are God and there is no other. You alone sit upon the circle of the earth. Father, the heavens is your throne and the earth is your footstool. And today I join my faith and my worship with the millions of people that are listening right now around the world, believing you for the supernatural, believing you for the dispatching and the release of angels into every person's life. Lord, that you would touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I praise you, not only in English, but today I praise you in the Spirit. Lord, I thank you that because of the blood, I have access to the throne of God. Not only the throne, but to set in the lap of Abba Father. Today, I praise you. I magnify you. There is a man right now that has your right hand upon uh, your radio. You have a tumor that is on your kidneys. And this tumor is uh, debilitating to you, and the doctors are preparing to do surgery. And thus saith the Lord, that tumor shall not be found. When you go back again, they will not find that tumor, for I shall take it off. God's also removing tumors right now out of lungs. I see God reaching down right now into somebody's right lower uh, cavity of their lung and the lobes of their lung, and God is removing tumors out of those lungs right now in the name of Jesus. In fact, you just had a biopsy. You're listening to this, and you just had a biopsy just a few days ago where they stuck a very ne a painful needle procedure into your back to biopsy this, and God today is healing you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you now that you're strengthening ankles. You're strengthening ankles. Ankles, Lord, are being strengthened. In the name of Jesus, I magnify you. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I tell you, Sid, right now I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying that he is doing warfare on behalf of some people that are in ministry. There's people who are li listening today that you're in ministry and you're literally like this, this person I talked about earlier in the week that is in the middle of a warfare and God is releasing angels right now. Thomas, there's an angel that's coming right now to help you in ministry. God is sending warring angels to you right now to bring you out of this in the name of Jesus. Father, we magnify you today. I glorify you today. I glorify you today. I glorify you today in the name of the Lord. There's a single mom that's listening to us right now. You're contemplating suicide. You've been contemplating it for the last 36 hours. There's a single mom, and God today is using this as a testimony to you that you do not have to commit suicide. There is life, and the blessing is on the way. In fact, there's something that's tied up in a court proceeding for you that is causing this. In fact, it's your kids that are tied up in a court proceeding that's causing this 
tremendous despair, and the Spirit of the Lord is turning the tables right now on the enemy, and there'll be a divine release. And God would say to you that you don't have to give up. There's something about to change for you. I feel a changing in the wind for you. The Spirit of the Lord is doing this thing for you this very day. Father, I magnify you today. I glorify you today. I worship you. Uh, Shane, I have to tell you, when you're worshiping God, the atmosphere is changing. Are you telling me everyone that understands the keys that you release in your brand new book and your three CDs will be able to have that type of atmosphere? Everybody's atmosphere will be different, but yes, they can have that this atmosphere and more. See, this is just a beginning. We do this for hours and hours and hours at our church, 60, 70 people at a time coming for our prayer services just to get in the presence of God. This is the reason miracles happen in our church. Worship is not about the place you're at. It's not about the style of your music. Worship is about the person of Jesus and and God, and you can enter in at any place, at any time, with any style. Explain to me, uh, when you access the throne room of God, what do you do? You talk about literally sitting on the Lord's lap? Explain. Well, the Scripture says that by, by the blood that we have access to the throne. It doesn't say just the throne room. It says to the throne of Almighty God. The throne room is filled with angels. But the righteous, because of the blood of Jesus, can go deeper than even the angels can go. That's the reason the Scripture says angels look, desire to look into this thing called redemption. The holiest place in the universe is the lap of the Father. This is The Bible says this is where Jesus dwelled. He dwelled in the laps of, of the Father. So with the blood of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, we're given access not only to the throne room, but we get to actually have an invitation to come and sit in Abba's lap to the holiest place of the universe. That is Daddy's lap. Can you imagine sitting in Daddy's lap? Do, do you really actually sit in God's lap? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I believe spiritually that I can get to the place where I sit in the Father's lap. If you go to Psalm 109, the last verse, it says, The Lord stands to the right hand of the poor to deliver him. So those of us who are poor in spirit, God sits, stands to our right hand. But then you go to Psalm 110, verse 1. It said, The Lord said to my Lord, Set ye at my right hand. Now this is David speaking about the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so I have to ask, does God, does Jesus sit at the right hand of the Father, or does he stand to my right hand? Because those two scriptures tell us that he does both. Well, if you'll look at it, if he stands to my right hand, and if, and if he also stands to the Father's right hand, then positionally the, that places me right in the middle of the love of, between the Father and the Son. And that's, I believe, what Paul meant when he said, we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Notice he said, in Christ, in heavenly places. I believe that we can get caught in the beautiful love affair that the Father has with the Son and the Son with the Father, and that we can hear them speaking to one another, and God will reveal to us the secrets of the heavens. Does that happen to you often? Yes, it happens to me often. In other words, you're almost eavesdropping on a conversation between God the Father and God the Son? Is that what you're saying? I believe that's exactly what happened when I turned 
and I laid hands on that lady who had a problem in her back. I believe when I turned and I heard the voice of God say, hit her in the back, that is exactly what happened. And wouldn't that be amazing that it would be just like the way it was with Jesus? Jesus said, I can't say anything unless I've heard the Father say it. Well, Jesus is on the earth. How did he hear the Father say it? He was dwelling in those heavenly places. Now, doctors say one of the major causes of sickness is stress. It sounds to me it would be impossible to be involved in stress and be seated on Daddy's lap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you spend time in the presence of God and things fade away. Literally, like the old song says, the things of the world just fade away. When I'm in the presence of God, it's like I'm, it's like he's pulled me up. Even as the scripture says, seated me in heavenly places far above Oh, I wish you could go on and on, but the only way you can is for you to bring Shane Warren to your home in the form of his brand new book and his three CDs called Keys to Unlocking the Heavens. And he has already prayed for you to have the same access to the throne as he has. Available for a gift of $40 Shabbat broadcast. The Lord has already blessed you. The Lord has already smiled upon you. The Lord has already granted you his favor. The Lord has already, just reach your hands out, gifted you. The Lord has already given you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu. Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.com. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.